Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Tune Podcast. The goal of my show is to create valuable content to broaden your knowledge, inspire you, and get you in the right mindset so that you can apply it in your own life to drive impact, generate meaning, and achieve your purpose. My guest today is Zaylor Stout. Zaylor is an employment law and litigation attorney. He came to the legal profession with 12 years of experience as an outsourced human resources consultant to over 350 companies nationally. He knew that once he became a licensed attorney that he'd leverage that experience to keep employers out of court through the implementation of proactive measures. Throughout his legal career, Zaylor has worked at the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, as well as the Los Angeles Public Defender's Office. He's represented small and mid-sized companies in a variety of fields, while also conducting workplace investigations for municipalities. Throughout his 20 years in the employment law arena, Zaylor has developed a focus on identifying and addressing client needs, while educating them on ways to prevent the issues from arising in the future. Zaylor serves as a fierce advocate on LGBT issues. He volunteers through the LGBT Law Clinic, served on the board of Reclaim, and is currently a board member with, with Quorum, which is the Twin Cities LGBTQ plus Allied Chamber of Commerce. He championed the passage of a gender inclusion policy to protect transgender and gender nonconforming youth in St. Louis Park, Minnesota schools. His law firm, was recently selected by the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal for their Business of Pride Award and has a column published in Lavender Magazine. Last year, he published his book, which is his first, titled Our Gay History in 50 States, which has already won a few awards. Finally, he will be hosting a panel at this year's Lavender Law Conference titled Extreme or Essential, Understanding the Shifting Legal Landscape of LGBT-Specific Community Inclusion in U.S. School Curriculum. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for um, taking some time out of your busy schedule to hop on a uh, a chat with me of course of course <laughs> um so Zaylor, would you explain to my listeners uh, a bit about who you are oh so um i am an attorney so I'm, i practice in, in the area of employment law uh, with an office in minneapolis minnesota as well as in pasadena california um i'm an author i'm an activist uh historian. I wrote an LGBT history book titled Our Gay History in 50 States. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of things that I'm involved in. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What an impressive background. You, so how did you get involved in the work of employment law and then uh, LGBT? Got it. Um, well, you know, with the, with the employment law part, it actually kind of started back when I got my first job in management. So for those old enough to remember, there was a place called Blockbuster Video where you actually had to go out and get your, your movies to watch. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> that was my first my first management job was at Blockbuster Video. And then I remember I went to talk. Um, and then I was at North Children's Hospital Los Angeles, all in management. Um, and then I ended up working for the family business, which is an outsourced HR company. Mm. And so I did that for over a decade always knew that I wanted to go to law school. Um, and then with all the experience dealing with HR and dealing with employment law, uh, that was my focus when I went to law school. And so um, I attended St. Thomas, uh, the University of St. Thomas School of Law in Minneapolis, and I've been practicing law since 2012. That's amazing. And then the book, it's a, it's a, I got a chance to read a little bit about it. Tell me more or tell us uh, what, why, what, what inspired you to write it. Yeah, so I, 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 I wrote Our Gay History in 50 States, um, which is an LGBTQIA plus history book that highlights significant people, places, and queer facts on a state-by-state basis. 
And the idea for the book came about when I was actually on a road trip from California to Minnesota, because I'm actually originally from Southern California, mm. though I went to law school in Minnesota. And it was during the marriage equality debate, debate times, you know, Proposition 8 was, you know, uh, was, was, in, was, in, was going on in California. Each time I crossed a different state line, I thought to myself, well, what relevance does this state have to LGBT history? What relevance does this state have to LGBT history? Of course, when I got to Wyoming, I thought about Matthew Shepard. And I wanted to lay flowers at the fence that he was, you know, chained up to and, mm. and left for dead. And that wasn't information that was readily available. So I was like, well, there should be a road trip guide for LGBT folks. And this is absolutely a place that should be there on that road trip guide. Fast forward a bunch of years. Um, I ended up speaking at the National Coming Out Day luncheon that Quorum puts on in Minneapolis and mm. met Dennis and Judy Shepard. And it was like the 19th anniversary of Matthew's passing. And I thought to myself that this family is going through the worst day of their life every single day for like 19 years for me and my community and that I needed to do more. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought about the book. So within two weeks, I met with a publisher. Within two months, I started writing the book. And then two years later, the book was done and out. And it's been mm -hmm. out since October last year. That is incredible. And so what was the process like for you and the experiences you went through writing the book? Did you experience any emotional journey um, as you're writing it? Um, how Describe what that process is like. No, oh, it's a great question. Um, so the, for me, being, you know, Black queer person, um, mm -hmm. it was important for me to make sure that the book that I wrote reflected the diverse, the full and true diversity of the LGBTQI plus community that I know that we have, which didn't tend to be the community that was reflected in prior prior books, LGBT mm -hmm. history books. So for me, it was really important to dig deep extra to make sure that there was, you know, a more diverse representation of folks. So it was important to me to make sure that there were um, two-spirit individuals represented in the book and mm -hmm. trans men represented in the book and people from the um, Asian and Pacific Islander community in the book, you know, folks that aren't normally um, thought about when you think about the LGBT community, um, you know, that there's bisexual representation and asexual representation. And um, so with doing the his doing the research, it was interesting because each state has its own rich history, you know, but then you look at it as a mosaic in regards to our full national history. Mm -hmm. But one of the more difficult and challenging parts was just reading each and every single one of the, the stories of, of, of trans women of color that have been killed. It was just so overwhelming at one point when I was writing the book that I just had to like stop writing for like three weeks. It was just like, I just can't read another story about another trans woman getting killed mm. in this country. Um, and so, you know, I'm glad um, to a certain extent that, that um, you know, um, be it our elected officials and everybody, that this is something, finally something that's coming to light, that the, um, that, you know, the advocacy organizations that are around, you know, um, LGBT issues are, are finally, you know, really focusing on this as, a, as an important issue. Mm -hmm. um, even, though, even though trans members are, you know, from a numbers perspective, are a smaller segment of our community, they're, they're the most marginalized. So, um, you know, I think it's important for us to be able to be there for each other. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that things are taking a turn from that perspective where we can really focus on, 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 on this, you know, this tragedy that's been happening for a long time in our country. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to capture all the stories and have a true representation of our communities. And you're correct, as a person of color myself, looking at the media, the magazines, mm -hmm. there's no, yep. I don't think there's an accurate portrayal of who we are as a community. And even for someone who is uh, of Asian descent. And so the one good, one of the good things about books is it captures so much information and um, you know details about a certain topic that you wouldn't really get conversing with another human being because um, there's so many lived experiences that you can put into um, into um, words, right? Mm -hmm. And so, knowing your background and a strong writer as you are, I'm sure a lot of people will find this book to be very helpful in terms of um, seeking to understand. Um, the LGBT community and the broader communities. Um, what, um, in terms of your work, of course, as you know, the show is about purpose and meaning. Right, right. right. And you mentioned about 
wanting to serve your community, I think one of the best ways for us to reach our own purpose and generate meaning in our lives is through serving others. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to serve um, others through either your work or through writing this book? Um, I mean, well, through my work, um, you know, it's, it's interesting working, have experience working in HR because, uh, you know, I think HR folks get a bad rap. <laughs> a lot of folks mm-hmm. are like, well, HR, they're just out there for the company. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the interesting thing, at least my experience has been, um, that, you know, especially working with small and medium-sized businesses, which is like my focal, my focus, my focal area, um, because they tend to be the businesses that are like, you know, they're on the ground, they're doing the, the work, they're, they're creating jobs, um, but they don't necessarily have the resources to hire an HR manager to be on staff, you know, $60,000, $80,000 a year for a small business. It's just not something that's feasible. And so, right. you know, providing that advice and guidance to them, I love that because it, you know, it's, it's giving back to those that are providing jobs jobs within our communities, but, you know, they may be great at, you know, building this widget or this, or, you know, this restaurant or that or the other, but not necessarily experts in regards to like HR. And so what I found Mm -hmm. is that, you know, more often than not, you know, the advice and guidance that I provided to clients when I was an outsourced HR rep was receiving people's jobs, right? Because they'd want to terminate this Mm -hmm. person. It's like, nope, you don't want to do that. You know, you have to give them a chance. You you know, do you have this policy in place? Did they know that this was an issue Um, or that it could Mm -hmm. be something that's illegal? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. I think HR, I think think people miss that, the fact that, you know, HR folks are also keeping the organ keeping managers and and business owners you know within the con the confines of the law which which benefits them so so there's that um you know i as mm-hmm. an attorney um i also i not only represent businesses and companies but i also represent individuals so there are situations and circumstances where you know i'm the one that's there helping vindicate their rights and that's been through representing f- folks within the lgbt community as well you know i have a a, a case going on currently Uh, with a a, a, a woman that identifies as a lesbian, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, once the employer found out that she was a lesbian, she was terminated. You know, I think that there's problems Mm -hmm. in regards to that. Um, You know, I remember representing Mm -hmm. a client that was HIV positive. And once the employer found out that they were HIV positive, they terminated them. So, you know, there's, uh, I love the fact that I have the ability to be able to, you know, help on both sides, help you know, you know, preserve mm-hmm. people's positions and employment while while advising employers, but also the ability to be able to fight and vindicate for them when I, I feel as though their rights have been violated on the outside. And that's just in the employment context, you know, then the advocacy part, mm-hmm. um, you know, really came to me when I met a trans student in St. Louis Park over here in Minnesota um, and his family. And they had been trying really hard to get the schools to you know, implement a, a, a policy how in regards to how it is that a, you know, the school would interact with transgender and gender non-binary kids. And, um, you know, it wasn't getting anywhere. And so, you know, I was like, well, I have advocacy skills. I'm an attorney, you know. And so I turned those skills mm-hmm. towards, you know, advocating not only for this family, but also, you know, all the other LGBT kids, you know, that that may be in similar situations, especially those that may not have family members that support them. You know, and so I was able to help rally the community in regards to getting a gender inclusion policy passed in St. Louis Park, which was the first suburb in Minnesota to to pass such a law. Minneapolis had it, St. Paul had it, but no other places in the state had it. And so, um, so you know, sometimes it's just meeting people and hearing their stories and being able to identify that you have a, a, a particular skill set that can help and, and to actually move mm-hmm. forward and do it. That is amazing. They the the your ability to identify the, the your skill set and then transferring them over to certain parts of the of your career. I think that's uh that's something that you should be proud of to be able to um, utilize your your talents and skills and knowledge in in variety of ways to and to really serve people. Yep. Yep. Right. I think that's uh they're important there. Um, so. Obviously, I'm sure, like everyone else, we've all had our challenges. Could you share some of those challenges that you've had to encounter throughout your career? And how did you navigate through them? Mm-hmm. Well, there are always challenges, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, I mean, I mean, there's just, there's just, there's just not a lot of, you know, black and brown faces and bodies that are in the legal profession. Um, there's definitely mm-hmm. an issue in regard to that pipeline of getting folks into, um, you know, um, 
some of these types of professional careers. Um, and there's additional roadblocks that are that are that are at play that that not everybody's able to get over and overcome. And then as well, you know, having your own practice, <laughs> uh, not necessarily working right. for somebody else, but building your own business and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, um, you know, there's there's always been challenges in regards to that. But I have an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. I know that my family has an entrepreneurial spirit. Again, the family business is an outsourced HR. I remember uh, my mom when I was growing up. I mean, she she just she's so creative and came up with so many different jobs i remember stuffing envelopes for, <laughs> for somebody <laughs> i mean it's like you put your kids to work right but you right, know yeah. I, I i mean i remember when i was a kid you know um you know going to going to the you know like smart final is a store that we have that they don't have them in here in minnesota but in california getting like mm-hmm. blow pops you know 144 blow pops a gross that's the first time i learned about how many is in a gross and then and then selling them for a profit at school to the kids <laughs> <laughs> but you know you, i mean there's folks that have that entrepreneurial spirit and can get out there and hustle and make it happen um you know, those that's that's always going to be the challenge for somebody that's a small business owner is, you know, making sure that you're you're making enough to put a roof over your head and then making sure that you're making enough to provide, um, you know, jobs to other people. So, you know, you know, the, the current challenge is making sure growing my practice so that I want to have, you know, somewhere close to like five attorneys in in um, Minnesota, at my office here and then um, in, in Pasadena at the office there. So in order to get that growth, you have to have enough business coming in. So. You know, part of that is doing good right. work. Um, you got to spend a lot of time networking. Um, there's folks that um, that that aren't into that, but it's necessary. Um, yeah, especially with the line of work that mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to uh, your topic about, um, you know, people of color being underrepresented. Obviously, as you know, in Minnesota with the whole George Floyd case, um and Black Lives Matter and you being African-American. Um, f- first of all, I want to know what your perspective is on the the issue of police brutality and using excessive force, especially on um, uh, the Black community. And then secondly, um, what types or type of work um, are you currently engaged with to... Um, open a dialogue either within your family or your circle of friends or community to ensure that we achieve a more racially just uh, society oh well you got a long involved question there uh let me see (laughs) (laughs) well first let me say um you know I'm one of the rare folks because I know that there's not a lot of folks that go from California to Minnesota, but I actually lived through the Rodney King riots as well as the Minnesota ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting perspective from that from there, because, you know, in 1992 um, is when I graduated from high school. I was actually a victim of a, of a hate crime at school. Um, there was a white supremacist that hopped out of his car and punched me in the face and yelled nigger and and drove off. Um, I was able to mm-hmm. identify who he was, do a lineup. He was never caught, never brought to justice. Um, and this was when I was 17. So and this was in Ventura wow. County when I was at Ventura High School. And so mm-hmm. it was interesting because, you know, next thing you know, like the NAACP is there and like, you know, all this public, you know, spotlight is on me in regards to this. And they're like, well, what do you want us to happen? What do you want us to do? And I just like, I just want people to be educated in regards to these things. Right. What what mm-hmm. what prompts mm-hmm. somebody to hate somebody just based on color of their skin? Because that wasn't. um that wasn't the interaction that I had with the public when I was, when I grew up in, in, in Anaheim in Orange County. Um, so there was mm-hmm. a difference in regards to moving from Orange County to Ventura County, especially given the times with the Rodney King riot. And so um, that, that, you know, that framed the different, the perspective that I have in regards to, you know, advocacy and education and things of that nature to be able to get folks to move past maybe some of the biases that they have um, or some of the, the ignorance that may be present in regards to, you know, different people from different cultures and the like. And then, so being here in Minneapolis with, with the George Floyd murder, you know, it, it's sad, but it's like, you know, some things never change. And this, is, this isn't new news for the black community. Um, we've been yelling and screaming and talking about this issue forever. Um, it was, it, 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 it happened during the slavery times. It happened during the Jim Crow times. It, you know, um, it's, it's still happening now, but now it seems like it's happening under the color of, of law. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
I think it's good that people are finally waking up to the fact that this is is, is an issue and is a, a reoccurring problem. Um, even since George Floyd's murder, there's it seems like every week or month that there's you know a new name to add to the list of of an unarmed black person that's being you know um, either killed or, or or assaulted or beat up by by individuals that are in law enforcement. So there's just got to be a there's got to be a change there. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know speaking truth to power is, is crucial and important being involved in the process and demanding change is important. Um, you know, holding our elected officials accountable once you get them into office is crucial and important. And, and, and I mean, those things are happening. Um, you know, being here in Minnesota on the ground reasons why the, you know, the protests have, you know, rippled out to other parts of the country and haven't necessarily been happening as much here is because things have been moving forward. Think they're, they're unprecedented things that have happened that didn't happen when, with, you know, other black and brown folks that have been, um, had, um, you know, lost their lives through altercations with the police that has, you know, prompted us to hopefully realize that this, that we're in a different situation and there's a different dynamic, whether it be our state and state elected officials, you know, changing the dynamics, whether it's, you know, our attorney general coming in and being involved in regards to the, to the, the case and prosecuting, whether it's, you know, our mayor coming on board and saying that he, you know, that he wants there to be a change in regards to what's going on and, and um, being involved in the, dis- in the discussion with city council, who's looking to, you know, reimagine what, what policing and law enforcement looks like moving forward. I mean, Mm. The country's eyes are looking at us and they're going to see what, what, what is Minnesota, what is Minneapolis going to do in regard to this? And, um, right. and there can be, you know, significant change, you know, we just kind of, sometimes there just has to be some bold changes that, that happen in order for us to be able to move forward. And um, we have a lot to, to figure out between now and then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing because, um, well, obviously there's so much work uh-huh. uh, to do to, ensure that people are educated and i think education is the one of the most important tools to combat um you know racism and uh systems of oppression i think people also lack the experience uh living and conversing and and being around people of color and they just basically believe what they read in the in the news or um or or what they see in hollywood and so it's important that we're actually out there uh, as activists and um change agent to really be part of that dialogue and to really get out and and talk to people who may not hold the same uh, views as us so that we can have this dialogue. And as you know, in today's political climate, we, 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 we've lost that somehow, mm-hmm. that this peaceful dialogue or the fact that I can agree with you or disagree with you and still um, have a, you know, a, a, a healthy relationship with you. And that's missing. And so it, it's frustrating and also saddens me that we, we don't have that. And so, and the thing is, um, is like, it makes all the difference. I mean, that's one of the things that I, one of the things I loved about college and the college experience. And one of the things that I loved about my law school experience was, you know, some of my, some of, some of the people I found to be like my best friends at law school were like conservatives all the way on the other side of the political ideology. Mm. Than me. But we can have these, right. these, you know, impassioned dialogues and, and debates in regards to issues and philosophies and stuff, but still, you know, go out for dinner or drinks after with each other. And, you know, that right. used to be, um, you know, how our elected officials would interact, both on the state and federal level. But, it, but we, you know, it's just kind of every, that we've kind of lost that camaraderie aspect of it where at least believing that we're all in it for the right reasons at the end of the day, though we've had different, you know, um, ideas in regards to how to get there that that the person on the other side isn't just isn't evil um but i think Mm -hmm. having having the ability to be able to interact with people who are diverse and different than you is really crucial and really important um i remember you know a year or so back speaking with you know an elected not elected official um uh, you know um, i don't want to make sure i don't i don't want to give out his 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 name and position you know but um um Mm -hmm. he's you know, high up there in regards to, you know, senior leadership um, with the local city and mm-hmm. um, indicated that he had not, you know, ever met or interacted with the person of color until he got to college. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like, you don't have to go that far outside the Twin Cities for that to be the experience for folks. 
Right. And so, you know, can I, can I blame him if there weren't black and brown faces for him to interact with in his community? No. Right. But, but what Mm -hmm. we need to understand is, you know, that we need to, you know, provide opportunities, provide education to be able to set folks up for success when they do come into Mm -hmm. communities that are more diverse. And Mm -hmm. what work work are we doing to be able to make that happen? Right. And also in, in this current climate where there's so much darkness with, um, you know, just, um, you know, excess police using excessive force and, you know, racism. And I, I think it's important to also be the light mm-hmm. when we're going through tough times, right? Because we can't, if we're dealing with a, for example, a, a hate group, we can't use the same, type of energy that they're using because it goes it goes nowhere there's no progress and we'll all just um you know destroy ourselves and we have to uh be the higher person and um really seek to understand what they're coming from what the you know where they're coming from and what they're saying and 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 i think that even on facebook with all these dialogues going on not necessarily like quick comments people passing judgment it's people are so quick for yeah. that and so I, I try to avoid as much as i can and i think what's missing is um is us coming together to find common ground and uh you know and seek for those commonalities and and find ways to work together and so um do you have any um, I guess advice around how we can do a better job at connecting with folks who may hold uh, you know different views from us, not necessarily coming from the same background. Um, or if you could give some examples, that would even be better. Right. I mean, um, one. I mean, one important thing is to be able to you know try to create and foster a genuine, you know, friendship with somebody that's different than you. So it can be as simple as mm-hmm. if you're at work, you know, there's somebody, you, you, you may, let's say, I mean, for me, for example, where I grew up, there, there was not a, a Muslim or, or significant Jewish population. And then I moved to Minnesota and there's tons of Muslims and Jews, right? And, and my partner's <laughs> Jewish now. And, and, and so my best friends mm-hmm. here are, are Muslim and stuff. And so I see that as an, uh, that, you know, it's broadened my, my, my perspective and my horizon um, and and perspective mm-hmm. in regards to things, getting getting you know different view people's lenses in regards to some of the you know international conflicts that are going on from a religious perspective differently. And so, like if you're at mm-hmm. work and you know you, you've never met a Muslim person and there's a Muslim person that's there at work, ask them out to ask them to lunch or to coffee. You know, it's 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 minor mm-hmm. small little things like that that could open your mind and open up your 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 sphere of influence to include folks that are different from you. You know, my really good friend, Dara Beavis, who was actually the publisher of my book through Rising Creative Publishing, she wrote an article recently in regards to, you know, um, you know, her experience, you know, living in, in, you know, George Floyd's Minnesota. And, and one of the things that she highlights is, you know, that there, that there are people that can go through their, their regular daily life and not ever have to interact with people that are different from them. And, and one of the questions that was posed is, you know, when was the last time that you had a person of color over co- color over to your house for dinner or drinks or something? And, mm-hmm. and if you can't, if you can't really, it doesn't, you know, you can't instantly think of it, then there's a, there's a gap in regards to, you know, the experience that you could be having um, and broadening your horizon and your perspective in regards to that. And those are opportunities mm-hmm. there for folks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are those are just a couple random ideas that I thought about that 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 have come to mind that I think you know um, can make all the difference in regards to something really small and, and different and, and tangible from that perspective. Right. And what do you say to those folks who aren't willing to take a chance, who aren't comfortable stepping outside of the bubble to be? a friend of someone who may look different from them Mm -hmm. or does not come from the same background to them. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There's like, there's so many, you know, so much, so many resources out there 
um, for people to be able to even like watch videos and things like that. I mean, there's documentaries like 13th, there's, um, mm. there's uncomfortable conversations with the black man, uh, that I started watching recently. He, um, I, I forget the guy's name. He's a, I think he's a former football player, but, um, it's, it's got his YouTube channel in regards to that. Um, you know, even, even those kinds of, you know, hearing other people have, you know, you know, passionate, sometimes vulnerable conversations in regards to some of these things um, can, mm-hmm. can still provide a different perspective in regards to stuff. So, um, you know, there's, there's just a multitude of info of resources out there, whether it's on LGBT issues, whether it's on women's rights issues, whether it's on immigrant issues. I mean, there's, there's all different kinds of ways that we can be allies to each other um, in different ways where we have privilege of, uh, uh, as opposed to other individuals in our, in our communities, in our neighborhood, in our state, in our country. Um, and so, you know, learning more about those experiences, um, you know, I think will make us better individuals, better people, and be able to have a little bit more empathy for folks in regards to what it is that they're going through. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, those are some really good examples. Speaking of books, um, what are some of your favorite books? <laughs> aside from the, aside from, of course, the one that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, like. And I'm sure it's probably on your your favorite list too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. So I mean, being an attorney, I have to read so much, and so I sometimes it's like it's nice, nice not to read and disconnect when I'm out. So I mean, there's all the legal stuff and cases and everything, but some of the books that have had like big impacts on me, and and this is probably going to be a random book, but I I always remember this one, and I've read it multiple times. Um, so it's it's don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff by Richard Carlson. I just remember being younger and being you know you know, very anxious about, you know, um, doing the right thing and being perfect and being as perfect as possible. I mean, that's part of me, I think being a Virgo, I do believe in some of those things that you get some of those traits based on some of that stuff. (laughs) Um, you know, and so being able to understand, you know, sometimes things just need to be done as opposed to being perfect. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's some of those very simple things where it's like, you know, um, it's been able to allow me to decompress a lot more and have a lot more grace in regards to things. Um, you know, I used to hate being late at, at you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, um, you know, being able to have a little bit more flexibility in regards to, you know, understand different people's experience and, and how they relate to time and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's one that's had <laughs> a random impact, positive impact on me that, uh, that I, 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 I circle back to when I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting too anxious about the things that you know, really aren't that important when, when you look at the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, great books like, you know, The New, G- the New Jim Crow. And um, I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, you know, I've had to read a ton of books, LGBT history books, you know, uh, writing my book. So reading other, you know, uh, perspectives in regards to LGBT history has been amazing and great. You know, there's some kids books that I got to read too. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because you want to make sure you have a, you know, Though my book is 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 geared towards you know providing, um, you know, it's, let's say sound bites of LGBT history for kids that they can easily then Google and then read up the whole long story in regards to things. Um, it's great mm-hmm. for adults too because you know, there's every day there's new folks that are coming out and some of them are kids that are coming out, some of them are folks that are 60, 70, 80, and they need to know about the community mm-hmm. it is that they're joining in that. Um, it's a community that's contributed significantly to our country's history. And so, I mean, I had to make sure that it would, it would cover that bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So tell us about your success habits. You're wildly successful. You're an attorney. I think you uh, also achieved your MBA. Uh, you wrote a book. You're uh, on the board on several organizations. Um what what was your motivation and uh, what values were you taught at home or through school or in your communities um, that uh, led you to where you are today? Well, I don't have my MBA. I do have my GD. I almost when I was in when I started law school in 2007, it was right when the time financial collapse happened. And um mm. You know, at St. Thomas, they were like, well, we, we, you can join this JD MBA program. And I almost did it. And it's kind of, I kind of think mm-hmm. what I may have, should have, may have stuck around and done that one too. But I was like, I've already done enough school. And I want to be done. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm already want to be Still, done. Still, I mean, it's a JD we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
uh, successful habits. Well, number one, I think, I mean, maintaining friendships and relationships is crucial and important, especially if you are a, you know, a small business owner, um, because, you know, you never know where your, where your next lead's going to come from, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, maintaining those friendships, is, it's, 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 it's important. It's funny. My parents always say, you know, Z, you, you could get dropped off at any major city in the country and you know somebody and have a place to stay that night. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a friendly person and I, you know, I build friendships and maintain those friendships. And, um, you know, so, and, and that wasn't necessarily their, 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 their life's experience or their experience has been different than mine. Um, you know, and I think that's part of, you know, social media being able to help people stay in contact. I mean, cause think about it, you know, before you met somebody, you lost contact with them. You, they kind of vanish, you know, into the abyss right. unless you stumble right. upon them again. Whereas now, you know, you have LinkedIn, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have this, that, and, you know, they may tweet something and then like, you know, you haven't talked to them in five years and like, oh, hey, I wonder what happened to them. And then you're instantly reconnected again. So, right. so that's, that's always a good one. Um, the other thing is, you know, treating everybody as equal, you know, and I, I don't know if this is, if, you know, how I ended up in, how this ended up getting ingrained within me. Maybe it's, you know, being from Southern California and, you know, you never know who, you know, somebody can be in a hoodie and be a billionaire and the person in the suit is, you know, is barely getting by. But, you know, treating mm-hmm. everybody the same and equal. I remember having, um, you know, partners previously that were like, you know, you know, you don't treat people that are good looking any better than you treat the people that aren't good looking. I was like, well, they're all people. And so they're all deserving of the basic dignity and respect. And, and um, it's not something that I, you know, think that I do intentionally. It just kind of happens, but, um, but others have referenced the fact that they've seen that. And that's something um, that's um, definitely something that's of of value. Um, Let me think. I did have one more tip, but I didn't write it down. I'm trying to remember now. (laughs) Well, going back to relationships, right? So I think at the end of the day, I truly believe it is really about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's the quality of relationships. Our lives, our health, our our future is dependent on the type of relationships we have. And I, you know, back when I was very young in middle school and high school i would listen to radio delilah do you know radio delilah or familiar i don't think so so um, she was a radio host and every night of the weekday she, uh, she would um have people on her show talking about their relationships people who are grateful for their you know their spouse their their loved ones or if they're going through some challenges with you know with uh you know with their their mom or their dad and they need a song that mm. accurately depicts that situation and so she would uh and she does a fine job at songs to those situations and um and her show is really about like love and relationship and like I grew up like having that type of lens uh, and that really guided me throughout high school and, and college and even till today. Um, and, you know, in my role as, uh, you know, in a, in a sales executive, when I speak to my clients, I really focus on the relationship piece of it mm-hmm. and not so much about selling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's at the heart of every business is um, if if you want your business to thrive, you have to have those connections and those connections are dependent on whether your, your business succeeds or not. And so, um, you know, you know, again, it goes back to our discussion earlier about how do we engage in peaceful, respectful dialogues with people who may not hold the same views as 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 we do uh with regards to the topic of uh, race or uh, lgbt quality mm-hmm. or whatnot and so uh, i think you brought up a really good point there um, <laughs> well here's the thing and you're right i mean people people are going to do business with you because they like you they're not necessarily going to do i mean at the end of the day you know there's going to be a multitude of people that have the knowledge and expertise to be able to get it done. And so they'd rather do work with people that it is that they like. Um, mm-hmm. And so being able to main, build and maintain those friendships, relationships is always something 
that's important in any type of business context. But then I did, I did come up with the third one and it's, it is, you know, make sure that you find at least one thing that you do um, that, 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 that fulfills your, your spirit. Right. Mm. So, you know, if, if you're in the gardening, which we do, um, you know, one of the benefits of being in Minnesota, you can actually buy a house without having a, you know, a gazillion <laughs> dollar down payment on a house. Uh, right. like, like it would require in Southern California. But if it's gardening, do that. If it's advocacy, do that. If it's, you know, um, you know, even having one of those little libraries um, outside of, of your house so that, you know, people that walk by can can grab a new book to, to read and sharing information there. I mean, find something that that you love that fills your spirit and don't just, um, you know, life is too short and, and, and you want to be able to make sure that you're enjoying it as well. And so at least, you know, finding that one thing that you do that fills your spirit, whether it is, you know, you know, being on a board for some organization. And there's a gazillion organizations out there that need folks with all different kinds of skill sets um, to be able to, to, to do that or volunteering for different organizations. There's all kinds of different stuff that you can do. But um, mm-hmm. again, it's, you know, that whole servant leadership aspect, aspect being of service to others, that there's, that there's um, you know, the value that you gain um, as an individual out of doing that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I believe I resonate well with the whole service to others. Doesn't matter if you're in the corporate world, nonprofit, or mm-hmm. or whatnot. I think it's important because you're essentially at the end of the day really serving people so that they can get what they want, so you can get what you want, which is to achieve ultimate fulfillment. And yep. I can't remember who said this, but it was, and I'm par- paraphrasing the quote: "Is the greatest failure in life is is not." Uh, achieving um, it's not failure itself it's achieving wealth and at the end of the day or at end of the road uh, realizing that um, that was success when when it isn't fulfilling yeah yeah and it ties directly to what you're saying which is don't chase the wrong things Mm -hmm. set the attentions on finding what your passion is and then chase after that passion, even though it may not make us, you know, a ton of money. Mm-hmm. It, there are valuable lessons we can learn and aspects that meet our, um, you know, um, our um, expectations that would lead to fulfillment. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'd like to gather what your thoughts on on that alone, the notion of um, finding your, 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 your passion. How do people find their passion and how do they um, fulfill it? Um, I mean, well, we all have something that, that, that we really, that really resonates with them and, and that you really care about. Like my partner, um, he loves animals and, he, and animal rights. Like that's like, if he could do one thing for the rest of his life, it would be rescuing every single dog and animal that, that needs to be rescued so that they wouldn't be put down and, you know, um, you know, taking folks to court if they, you know, abuse the animals um, it is that they do have, right? And so mm-hmm. every, everybody, you know, some people are really passionate about kids and education. You know, for me, you know, growing up LGBT in Orange County and then the, in the 80s, there weren't, you know, um, you know, there weren't role models for me out there. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, it was like, you know, I want to be able to provide a resource um, t- to my younger self, right? What, what could I have benefited from if this was around when I was younger? And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if I, you know, once, you know, number one, having folks that are out in the community living their lives to be able to show that, yeah, you can be out and be, um, live your authentic self and be a productive member of society. It's, doable it's possible you know mm-hmm. um during my time was right when the you know hiv aids aspect um, was coming in and so we lost a, an entire generation of, of gay men right mm-hmm. that could have been out there and could have been those mentors but you know had you know had i come out and somebody gave me this book and said you know congratulations you know for you know I, I, you know realizing you know your true authentic self you know here's a book about you know you know, the community that you're now joining and, and they've been around since the founding of our country and they've made significant contributions and, you know, let's figure out some, you know, once a month, we'll, we'll figure out somebody to look in, into and talk about from a, from a given state. I mean, how powerful is that, right? Right. To, to be able to know that because the other thing is, is, I mean, you know, we here in the United States, you know, American history is, 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 is white European history. 
right? Mm -hmm. You don't learn black and brown history. You don't learn women's history. You don't know, learn indigenous history. You definitely don't learn LGBT history. And so, mm -hmm. but being from being black and being from a black family, then I was able to learn black history at home with my family. Mm -hmm. But kids aren't, most LGBT kids aren't raised in queer homes. So where is it that they're going to learn this history? Mm -hmm. And right. so that's part of, you know, um, you know, the need within the LGBT community that we build our chosen families because sometimes our families aren't accepting of us or who we are. Mm -hmm. And so we build our own communities around us. And so, you know, we need to be able to, you know, share that history with each other and stuff. And so that's one of the things that I was able to find my niche to be able to know that, you know, people don't write books to make a bunch of money. I mean, unless you're a, you know, <laughs> uh, a Stephen King or something like that, uh, JK Rollins, you're not making a ton of money writing books, mm -hmm. you know, and then being an attorney writing a book, please. I did not track the number of hours. <laughs> I did not track the number of hours I took to write this book. Otherwise, I mean, I, I definitely could have made a killing, um, you know, if, if I spent all that money, all that time mm -hmm. on billable hours as opposed to writing the book, but that's what it is. It's not always about, making the money it's about making the impact and so for me it was important to be able to provide something to my younger self to those young kids now that i didn't have that would hopefully put them in a position where they feel more welcome they feel you know more part of the community they understand their history compared to the way that i had to cobble it together you know over my 46 years now on on this earth um mm -hmm. you know that's amazing yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think we need to teach kids uh, the the history of our people, uh, especially mm -hmm. people of color. Um, if there's ever an opportunity that I get uh, with my friends uh, mm -hmm. out here in San Francisco, I would tell them about who I am because that's a part of my identity. And it's important that I recognize that aspect of myself because it's part of my humanity and mm -hmm. so it also gives my, my friends you know exposures to um you know to a to a different side of of me that they don't see um you know physically and so um i think that you're doing such a great job at um you know serving your community um so where can and, people and there's some transitions i mean not transitions but there's there's progress happening right you know there's mm -hmm. different states that are requiring the teaching of black and brown histories you know there's uh five or six states now that are requiring the teaching of lgbt history in schools now california was the first in 2011 now we have a bunch more states so there's you know and and the kids are demanding this so like there's even a group of kids in kentucky that are demanding that the state legislature there you know pass a law that's going to require the teaching of a more diverse history to them so right. you know um they're telling us what it is that they want and what they need in order to be able to feel fulfilled and feel more part of you know um, um more unified in regard to these things so that's the other aspect you know teaching more diverse history as well um, right. shows that it's not just you know white anglo-saxon christian cisgender men that that made this country what it is you know, it right. was because of the diversity that we have and the immigrants and all those different types of things. So you would think and hope, and, and, I, and I know that there's studies around this as well, that teaching more diverse histories results in less bullying, results in more, more em empathy and more compassion and more inclusion. So I just want to make sure that I threw that in there before we, we rolled past it. Oh, yeah, that, that's fascinating. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, how teaching uh, history um, minimizes... Uh, the, those health issues oh well i i'm definitely not the expert on that <laughs> mm -hmm. but, so, but share um, us about your understanding of of, of it because right. i'm fascinated by that it's um something well, that you know that that i i thought about but haven't really mm -hmm. dig into it well i mean it's important to know that i mean having yourself reflected in history is crucial and important to know that you can be part of history I mean, mm -hmm. so that's the whole aspect of, you know, the significance of having a black, our first black president, the significance of having a woman in the White House. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, all these different types of things shows that there's something that's that's uh, available and attainable for you. You know, so it's important as well to make sure that, you know, that we have a set of judges. Right. Because, you know, right. you want folks to be able to know that that's something that where all the judges were white men. Right. 
And then right. you ended up getting women because women were able to fight their way into law school and, and fight their way into those positions. And then you end up having, you know, black and brown folks. And then you end up having LGBT folks and folks with disabilities. I mean, you have to be able to, so being able to see yourself reflected in history is crucial to know that you can be part of making history. So there's mm. that, right? But then, right. but then learning and knowing that other people from other cultures have also contributed significantly to the country's history um, it makes it more difficult for you to then dehumanize them and 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 treat them as if they're you know um, they're less than or anything from that perspective. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's the, how it just supposed in regards to teaching of the more diverse histories in schools, right? You know, right. you know that a, a, a black person came up. I'm just making this up. You know, invented the pacemaker. Um, you know, I mean, all these different types of things. You're like, wait a minute, I didn't know that. You know, my mm -hmm. grandfather has a pacemaker in, right? And so, mm -hmm. again, I just made that one up for folks. I, I know you. I know there's folks from Medtronic that are going to probably listen to this and be like, "That's not true." <laughs> just it up. But all those different examples in regards to things. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. That's that's important. I can. I mean, I guess looking back at my personal experiences, I would have loved to see someone who is, you know, of my of my race and and gay. In, yep. in you know in in either holding a, a public office or um, um, some sort of uh, uh, status, so that way it aspires me to be uh, yeah. uh, just as good as them because mm -hmm. it shows they're they're modeling these behaviors and and you know that inspires me to to be like them and so of course you know when there's a role model there's more of a positive association than when there isn't agree. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. Um, this is great. Where can people find you? And, and if they wanted to read more about your book. Oh, uh, so my law firm, it's stouts, S T O U T S law.com. Um, the website for the book is gay five zero states.com. So gay 50 states. Um, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Zaylor Stout. Um, I write an article um, every other edition for Lavender Magazine. It's uh, from the, the, the column is titled From A to Z. Um, and so um, Lavender Magazine is in Minneapolis, it, it's in Minnesota. And so it's, I know it's available online and at their website. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's Lavender Magazine, easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Zaylor, this is such an incredible talk. Thank you so much for your time and insight. Um, folks, uh, you've heard from the man. Uh, definitely check him out. Check out his book. Uh, and if you're into the um, in educating yourself in, in the, in the uh, topic of LGBT issues, definitely uh, take up his book and contact him and let him know where you could find uh, how you found him. So, uh, Zaylor, this is great. Thank you so much, and um, I wish you uh, all the best in, in, in your future, uh, as well as I hope that you stay safe in this pandemic, and uh, let's continue to uh, keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for providing a, you know, a resource for folks to be able to find you know, creative in different ways in order to be able to fill their own individual life's mission, so I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, you take you care too. now. You too. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye.